I felt like Zorro coming out of there in the dark <laughs> black curtain. I'm going to need you please to turn to Genesis chapter 1 if you would. And um, this morning I have a message that I've never shared other than last night. Uh, I've shared parts of the verses you're going to look at. But when Pastor Bob said, what do you think you're talking about? And I said, Psalm 139. I think you guys are studying Psalms. And he said, oh, you can go ahead and do that because it'll be a long time till we get to Psalm 139. <laughs> and so I, I just, on the spot, made up something the other day and um, told him, well, I'm going to talk about da-da-da-da-da-da-da, how much God loves the people. And, um, and then he said, great. And then he said, well, I just made all that up. And because um, I didn't, I thought maybe he would tell somebody what I was talking about. So anyhow, I, instead of made this up, when I looked at the email, it said mafia instead of made. <laughs> so I looked at him and I wrote him back and said, Pastor Bob, not mafia, made. He wrote back, I like mafia better. <laughs> but we are in horrible times as a country. Um, of people, but our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. We're not political animals. Um, a lot of believers around the country took the last president as their savior and thought he could do it all, and he couldn't. He's only a man, and he needs Jesus. And the next one comes in and doesn't appear to be able to do any of it. And uh, he definitely needs Jesus, too. Uh, but it's you and I are to be the light. And I've been in the deepest places and the highest places in the USA over the years and around the world, actually, negotiating for Americans to be released from the Middle East and Russia and different places, from the Vatican to the White House to around the world houses and I've seen God do things in the highest levels and in the lowest levels. I've seen hundreds of thousands of people come to the Lord. And I understand the country I live in very, very well. I love it. I love the people. We do have beautiful land, but we're some of the greatest people that have ever lived in mankind's history, actually. Most generous, most definitely. And so uh, in June 2020, not too long ago, George Barna from the Barna Group, who is a very legitimate uh, pollster, and they did some research four months into COVID among evangelical Christians. It was a great uh, swath of people, lar very large group. And they asked, now that this pandemic is here, are you still attending your church? And the second question was, if you're not attending church, are you watching on the internet your church? One out of three Christians answered no to both. And since June 2020, one-third of American Christianity has disappeared. And that's one of the signs of the end times. So that was in June of last year. It's even more. You, you couldn't imagine the, the hundreds of Christian churches that have closed, literally closed, 
Many have lost their properties to bankruptcy, the Christian record companies, book publishers, Christian bookstores, anything that's Christian that makes a, a living for somebody is just imploding. The voice that God used to establish this country uh, is not getting a place anymore, and it's not going to get better. So don't let a flu bug make you divide. Huge churches, small churches, have split in half or closed over wearing or not wearing a mask. That's what Jesus died for, that we make a decision not to be a Christian anymore because of a mask. So we are his answer for this time. And the only thing, it won't be political, it won't be if some right-wing conservative wise businessman or woman comes into power again and changes everything again. It's too far gone. We have too many people coming across underground and overground in San Diego's borders. And too many kids are dying from the fentanyl that's coming through San Diego borders. comes from China, just like the flu bug. Over a million people have died because the war is on without firing missiles. We're at war. And the big war is why I've chosen what I told Pastor Bob, that I'm making a sandwich for Horizon. And like a sandwich, you have a piece of bread on the left and a piece of bread on the right. And if you hold it this way, it's on top or bottom. But the meat of the sandwich is right in between the loaf. And I've never ever really done this before, but I think there's enough in it that those that have ears to hear will hear. And the main point to get across is that you are special. There's nobody else ever in the history of mankind that has ever been created like you. I just saw some elbows go to the person next to him just now. See, I've been telling you for years. <laughs> you are special. And because you're confused, you forget you're special. Because you don't really know what's going on. It's called brainwashing. It's, it's what happens before the communists come in and take over uh, a country. It'll get worse unless something happens in the church among people like you and me that are weak, and yeah, we might have money, but that isn't enough. We might have influence. That's not enough. Do we have a heart? That's enough. And God will use you. And this is one of our final hours. And we need to get about our Father's business. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for these beautiful men and women this morning. And I pray that you'll take your word and speak to everyone at every level necessary. You know how everyone in this room thinks, how they communicate, how they receive communication. You know if they're distracted, if they're guilty, if they're bummed, if they're happy. And you're going to talk to them. We ask you to freely let your presence unfold. Let us sense you, that you're here that you love us, that you care, 
and that you have a mission for each and every family here. Lord, we want to please you, not ourselves, you. So speak to us through these verses. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So it's my honor. I appreciate that applause, but I'm not worth it. Um, just There's well over 150. It might even be way more than that now. Horizons that have come out of the original 10 people when I drove 200 miles every week to teach them. It's amazing. I mean, in Brooklyn and Boston, the radio network in uh, uh, New England, uh, orphanages all over the world, uh, jungle tribes to high-rises in China. Uh, it's just been a wonderful experience. And out of all the things that we ever tackled, uh, this project where you're sitting right now was the first time in probably, so that was uh, tw 20 years of ministry expanding, uh, that the board of directors who were always uh, really godly men and women that I knew and that were very astute in business and just were loving people, but they were very brilliant and way beyond thinker that I would be. And I'd take their wisdom, and, but this was the only thing out of the thousands of things we said yes to, that this side of the board, five or six people, no, no, not the ranch out there in that area, no. This side, yes, yes. And I said, you have the final vote? And I said, no, let's just wait until you're all in one mind, one accord. We've been in one mind, one accord for a long time. The Lord saved thousands and thousands of people because we're working as a team. And uh, we waited. And it was a year later that it was very clear. We came out and we did uh, Torrey Pines High School uh, on Easter Sunday. We had done uh, SeaWorld at 6 o'clock every year for many years on Easter. And we came out to Torrey Pines and it was filled in the football stadium. And I was already doing a Bible study on Tuesday nights in one of the classrooms, and there was a core group, about 100 people. And then we went to Del Mar Hotel, and uh, then that started filling up. It became a church, and that's when we knew that we should probably buy this property and, and build it. Though, the people of Claremont Mesa really didn't have the money to do it. And they would mock it and say, we're going out there for those people that have all the money? And I'd say... No, we're going out for souls. But anyhow, the Lord did a wonderful work, and he's still doing a wonderful work. So I'm here to encourage you that you will wake up and let the Holy Spirit use you, and don't think you're going to get into heaven by your good works. People are going by the numbers every day into outer darkness. That breaks my heart. And so... Be about our father's business. A man came last night who became a Christian at 15 years old when we first started in 1974. He was 15. I was 30. He said, you were really an old dude at that time. I said, you want to fight or what? And uh, he brought five friends with him last night. One of them who lost his mind and... Uh, high IQ, he said, but Mike, I accepted Jesus 21 days ago today. This guy, since 1975,
has been leading people to the Lord all over San Diego County. I just, it amazed me that he and his friends were here last night. Okay, that's enough. So um, Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to look at uh, verse 26. Now I could quote these to you, but I think for the impact, for you to see these words can jar you into a positive place. That's why we're taking a little extra time here of actually reading some verses instead of me quoting them, and they will speak to you. And you will see that the issues of today are all issues contrary to God. We live in a planet that is controlled by God's arch enemy. He's here. And you will understand why all of a sudden the human race has more than 60 different titles beyond male and female. And not one of you voted for that. Nor were you asked to vote for that. And you hear what's going into our education systems, and nobody voted for that. And nobody was asked, what do you think about this? But now if you go against it, you're a terrorist by going and arguing with the school boards. Who's in charge of our country? This is a heart that is not an American heart. We're way down the road if you think things are going to get better. So listen to what God said and is saying. Chapter 1, verse uh, 26. And God said, Let us make man, notice the plural, let us, make man in our image, plural, after our likeness, plural. You see, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the midst of the creation. Let them, the creation, have dominion. Do you have dominion? Maybe over your parking space. Not much other. Let them have the power, the authority, over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth. The cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing, that creeps upon the earth. Now, ladies, I know that many of you, when you were younger, you dated a lot of creeps. This isn't the same, same guy. <laughs> and there's a lot of them all over the world, I know. Um, but I want to point out the plural that God is Father, Son, and Spirit from the very beginning. But you have been given control over everything that's alive on the earth. But man has taken that away from you, and the spotted owl has more authority than you do on some property. We were, bought some property on Balboa Avenue a number of years ago, and uh, we were going to expand our high school and elementary school and put a congregation there. And we got it, and uh, there was 26 acres never built on, and so we were told we could buy that, but the city said, oh, no, no, you can't buy that. Well, why not? Well, there's this little silver, I forget, Mike, what it was, a salamander, a fish, it was some, what was it? It was that. It was weird. It was a little... And I said, so why can't we build that thing? Oh, because it's an endangered species. Oh, I'd never heard of this before. Before I do some research, could you tell me what it looks like? Well, nobody's ever seen one. They haven't. No, they only come around once every hundred years. Well, how do you know that? Our scientists tell us that. You can't have that property. 
They're kidding me. I thought we had dominion. We don't. We're prisoners on this planet. I was in Saudi Arabia a few years ago with my wife and invited to come in to speak. And I realized that that whole Middle East, through a mindset of religion, is really a prison for one major portion of the human population. And it made me start thinking of, well, hold it. Now, all the places I've traveled, we're all not in dominion. We're, we're actually being told that we're free. Huh. So I want you to just look at that. You have more authority than you think from heaven. So God, as a matter of fact, in his own image, in the image of God, created him male and female, created them, uh, created he them. Two, male, female. Every little boy, every little girl knows that. They don't need to know the politic. But now, in California, they start taking the kids at four years old, pre preschool, pre-kindergarten, and they have woven together a sex plan that will be taught in every subject, history, math, English. And by the time they're out of high school, if they live through it, they'll just be zombies controlled by robots and artificial intelligence. You have power today to save human lives because your father is the creator of heaven and earth and everybody else. And no matter he doesn't run the media or the schools, but the guy that is on this planet and his team are in charge that hate God and they hate you because you have faith. The Bible says whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so we look to God's word. God blessed them. Do you feel blessed today or are you still struggling? God said unto them, be fruitful, number one. Are you fruitful? Number two, multiply. Don't divide, subtract, or add. Multiply. And replenish the earth. Something when you replenish means it's gone. So something was here before us. Replenish it. And subdue it. Control it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, fowl of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you. It shall be meat. And then in verse 31, And God saw that everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now in chapter 2, verse 18, it says, The Lord said, It's not good that man should be alone. Well, that was nice of him, huh? I will make him a helpmate. Oh, really? Somebody will help him. And out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air. Notice man came first. Man did not evolve from the animal kingdom. That's such a lie and a blasphemy against God. He formed every beast. You didn't come from a, a lightning bolt strike in the ocean on a cloudy, stormy day as a piece of bread and peanut butter floating around and all of a sudden you got juiced up and became a fish and then you got too close to the shore and you wanted to see what the shore was about and you grew legs and became a 
salamander or a lizard, and then you climbed up a tree and you became a monkey. That's where you came from. Well, you, of course you're confused of your sexuality. You're not a monkey's uncle, but you've been lied to for so long, you just say, well, that's it, I'm, I'm a religious person, and I don't know about all that. Well, you should know you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. An ambassador uses tact. An ambassador knows the whole story, why they are there in that country, and they have been trained and taught by the CIA the Central Intelligence Agency and the CIO, everybody I CIO, and all those agencies with all those letters. And they go into that country and they know what the politic is that they're supposed to push for. So, no time for a confusion at the end of a battle. It's not good that man's alone and out of the ground he creates all the animals and Adam gave names to the cattle, the fowl, the air, every beast of the field. But for Adam... There was not found to help me. Saturday night dances in the garden. I'm sure we're aboard. I have the gorilla. Didn't really meet his needs, you know, and the giraffe. And uh, God's thinking, and he's letting man see how important he is and special he is. And you are. You know the Bible says that all blood in the book of Acts goes back to one flesh. Our blood in this room goes all the way back to the first man, Adam. And the color of skin has nothing to do with the human being at all. There's not one better than the other. The Lord got those same boys that brought the generations forth off the same ark. And they had the same mother and father. And from them, where they went, the DNA, for some reason, brought something else out. Now, I want you to look at this, how he's got you in a place to accomplish something. He has nothing that he has that loves him or he loves back. In verse 21, the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, a deep sleep. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and he closed it up, the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. The DNA, the chromosomes, the genes... The genetic structure, the marrow of the bone came out of that rib and he shaped the one that was going to fulfill Adam. And I guess, ladies, you've been ribbing us ever since, haven't you? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and um, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. Otherwise, it's not from the animal kingdom. You didn't evolve. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man, therefore a man shall leave his mother and father and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. I don't think there's any arguments in theological corners about this, but most commentaries you'd read and people would think, well, the Lord wouldn't have to make a little boy or a baby. He could make, probably was like a 25, 30-year-old man. Perfect physique, perfect, no sin, the lucky guy had abs probably without having to do any morning setups <laughs> um, and muscles without even lifting anything. Uh, but he had never seen a woman, let alone a naked woman. 
And when he came out of sleep and she was standing there in front of him, he went, that's how she got her name. Whoa, man! That was it, woman. And it came right there, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. So now if you'll turn very quickly to Revelation 12. You've got the establishment that God has done something that you never hear about. And the messages you hear are just the opposite of what you are hearing, especially over the last 18 plus months. You have subtly been told you're an American, especially you're bad. You're a loser. You're worthless. Ad nauseum, on and on. But your Heavenly Father has a much better message. So that was message number one. So God created, that's a fact. It's not the theory of evolution. It's male and female, not 60 other binary names in the state of California. Here is our authority. We have our mission to be fruitful, to multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. And then we see that he makes us one. Revelation 12, verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Maybe you didn't know this. There are people that live in outer space, and they're not monsters like Hollywood has been telling us for years. Many of your grandparents and parents are out there. There's war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels. Now, previously in this chapter, it says he took a third of the angels away, and they did get, cast them down to our planet, and they fought. In verse 8, and they prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. So he's not in heaven, he's here. He lost the battle, but he knows how to rip you off. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 4, when he was asked about the end of the age and the sign of his coming, it wasn't, well, you know, there's going to be earthquakes, there's going to be famines, there's wars, rumors of wars, there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be various uh, famines and things all over the globe, and you'll know. He didn't say that. What he said first, and that's so important, when you read a book, what the author puts there in the opening statements is what you're going to read. Then you read it, it's a sandwich, and then you get to the closing, and he repeats what he said in the beginning, what the whole book was about, and you have it. And so the first words of Jesus are really important when he answers that question. How do we know when you're coming back? John Lennon wrote a song before he was uh, murdered, and uh, it was called Imagine. And the lyric line, as you know, goes, imagine there's no heaven above, imagine there's no hell beneath, and then the next line is, it's easy if you try. If you say, Mike, would you, could you imagine this? There's no heaven? Could you imagine there's no hell? Well, Excuse me, John, but if you're saying, imagine there isn't, it means you know there is. But because you're bitter against the church and your pastor wouldn't allow you in Liverpool to play your rock and roll music in the youth group and you got bummed out, and that did happen. Uh, so when you're imagining that there is no heaven, that's not going to make heaven unreal or hell there's a lot of people in hell for eternity, nonstop. Remembering the last thing they saw was how beautiful and loving God was at his judgment throne. All day, all night, forever, 
looking at all the people you lied to, all the rotten things you did in business, all the men and women that you abused or hurt verbally, on and on and on. That's what people in hell are living with, and that's the hell of it. They have to live with themselves. They love themselves so much here. They pampered themselves here. They made everything about them here, so they get to live with themselves there. It should crush our hearts. You have a lot of power because you're special. Your father knows everyone and he can get you to the highest people in this world, let alone this country. I'm a witness to that. Man, I negotiated for a release of an American that was held by a hostage uh, in Beirut. His boss reported to the Pope every morning at 8 o'clock. And when he told me, I thought, Lord, you're too much. This guy has some influence. But when I had a meeting with Yasser Arafat in Tunisia, and we were praying all along that trip, stop, let anything happen that will keep us from not doing what you want. And sure enough, the paper in Rome that next morning said, Yasser Arafat kicked out of Tunisia. Well, obviously, I'm not going to Tunisia. But he had that paper right underneath my door in the hotel. And he can put you places that you were never, ever trained to be if your heart is right with him. And he's got people you can get to that none of us can get to that need to see the love of Jesus in your life, not just in your words. So important. So he says here about this that... um, He prevailed not, and that great dragon who was cast out, and that word in their original language means cast out with a purpose. God has a purpose. It's the same word that was used when Jesus was on the seaside and the disciples were casting the net. It was the cast that meant with a purpose. The purpose was to catch fish, eat those fish for their family, and sell the rest to the markets in Jerusalem. So he was cast out. That old serpent called the devil, Diabolos, which means the slanderer, the accuser. Uh, And Satan, Satanus, which deceives the whole world. Not part of the world or some of the people. He's in charge of deception. And Jesus said in Matthew 4, 24, 4, take heed about the end times. Let no man deceive you. That's why you see all this deception. What's going on? Because the next couple of verses will tell you why. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven now has come one, salvation, two, strength, three, the kingdom of our God, and number four, the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. All day, all night, he's got your name. He's telling every dirty thought you've ever had, every mean thing you've done. He's doing all he can to destroy you. He gets you with the wrong people. People are known by the company they keep, the proverb says. Bad morals corrupts a good heart. You start hanging out with the wrong people, and all of a sudden you start doing what the wrong people do. And you're special. You have a purpose. And the devil's kids have no purpose. They're absolute, eternal slaves. And you don't need to go there. And he ends with this. 
The accuser of our brethren is cast down who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by three things. You, you can overcome the work of the devil anywhere on the planet, any hour of the day or night. Number one, by the blood of the lamb. I remember the blood of the lamb, and when I feel there's evilness around, and I ask the Lord to thank him uh, for saving my soul and for the blood of Jesus, it just, he gets out of town. He doesn't want anything to do with that. And number two, by the word of their testimony. By you simply telling somebody before you sign that document, you know, I want to tell you something. When I started out, I wasn't able to do this, but then I became a believer, and you know, when I pray, God really honors my decisions. When I say, would you mind if I pray with you, Mr. or Mrs. Banker? And you use everything you can. Well, they can say no. They won't get their commission if they say no. Well, yeah, would you please? Uh, yeah, okay, I, I'll do that. Um, so the word of your testimony, you tell people what God has done. And boy, he splits. The devil, he's out of there. He doesn't want to be at a party like that where people are talking about that God's alive and that God can change people and that people are actually special. Word of their, and the last thing, they love not their lives unto death. Otherwise, they are born again with the attitude, my life is for you and your family. Your life is for me and my family. We are one. We are the body of Christ. This said, I saw that last night, a church to call home. It's not this expensive property and buildings. It's you. It's you loving one another. It's you touching the community. It's you giving and going. It's you. You know, there's over a hundred and some churches in Mexico now. I, I lost count. I had one man call me or t write me from uh, Mexico, and they just had planted six or seven brand new churches um, just in the last year. A man in the Philippines, six or seven new churches all over the world. What's going on here just keeps going and going and going. And when you think it, it's stopping and stopping and stopping, you're part of something that's going and going and going. The roots are watered well with God's word and prayer. You have tens of thousands of people praying for you right now. I have a lot of people around the world that I ask them, will you pray? Yes. So I want to show you this. This changed my life about a year ago after I'd come back from two trips to northern Iraq against ISIS and helping recover the Yazidi women and children that were slaves. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and the people that live in them. Happiness in heaven, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth, you and me, and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath. Not just wrath, great wrath. And that's what we feel going on right, right now. Anger. The president even is angry against the people that don't do things his way. We're going to penalize you. We're going to tax you. We're going to, instead of, I'm one of you. No, I'm a dictator. That's not the right attitude. So we don't go into that. We look at the spiritual side of things. Look at this. I loved it in school because God used this word here because. That's the way a teacher would say, remember this? This is going to be on the test this Friday. Remember that? Gets up there at the blackboard and da-da-da-da. And you're looking at that and you go, oh. And then they say, 
this will be on the test Friday. Oh, I better write that down then. And I went all through school, and I always got one correct on the test. (laughs) The because. Here's why he's full of wrath, and this should open your eyes to say, I better get moving in the Lord here. Because he knows that his time is short. This is why all of a sudden men are being told they can be one of 60 things. Women are being told you can be one of 60 things. You can do whatever you want. You can, don't have any accountability to the government. March in the streets. You have no accountability. You will not get in trouble for living an evil life. And Jesus said lawlessness will abound before he comes back. Wow. And then all of a sudden... You get a word from Paul the Apostle, and he says, and lawlessness will be evident. But Jesus said, it'll hop from your house to the next house, from the next street to the next street, to the next city, to the next town, and the murder rate in America is just gone. Defund the police, what a stupid thing. Fire 250 nurses from Rady Children's Hospital, one of the greatest children's hospitals in the world, because they don't want to have a vaccination. And what are they going to do for your children when you bring them in and they need that nurse? Huh, got to be kidding me. It's not right. Tens of thousands of firefighters and police officers are getting ready to be fired around the country. And you don't think lawlessness is going to go away? (laughs) I'm sorry. It was prophesied this would be happening before Jesus comes back. And because his time is short, and this is what ticks him off and why he hates you, he has lived in eternity forever. Now he's down here where you live, and you have lived in time since the moment you were created. The tick-tock, 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 which is made by China on your computer, by the way. (laughs) And they're actually computerizing all the younger kids because when you're gone, they'll know everything of the habits when they become teenagers and young adults. They design G5 on your phone. They know everything about you. And they know everything about your kids. Wake up. Because his time is short. He's cursed with time. And you are blessed with eternity. You're going to eternity. He just got kicked out. So how short is it? Tick tock, tick tock, minutes. The Lord is coming back. And you are special. And you need to forget all the negative stuff you think about yourself and beating yourself up, if Jesus was willing to die so you would never die, you need to grow up and surrender your soul to him and let him use you to love other people. It's that simple. So I know it's time for you to go home, but I want to show you just a couple of verses. Psalm 139. I had the privilege of being the last Calvary Chapel pastor that saw Pastor Chuck before he died. And then I was at his home the day he did die. And it was such an honor to 
have a man in your life. I never had a dad that would open doors for you. You could end up doing tremendous things by the power of the Lord. Psalm 139. You can read this over lunch or this afternoon. Instead of a football play, you can get this done in a play. For thou, verse 13... Has possessed my reins, you have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, that my soul knows right well, David is saying. Now, this term possessed, it means you have something, you possess it, but you own it or even created it. Here's the most powerful man on the planet at that time, the wealthy multi-billionaire in today's money, brilliant strategist, courageous warrior. His enemies feared when he was on the battlefield. When he committed adultery with Bathsheba, it says in the days that uh, kings went to war, David was on his roof being a peeping uh, David, uh, being a peeping, not a David, uh, Tom, but a peeping David, looking at Bathsheba. And he should have been at war. And men get themselves in trouble. And I always wondered if she was taking a shower, if her name would have been Shower Sheba instead of the bath. I don't know how that came about. (laughs) You own me. You possess my reins. There's a figurative definition from the Hebrew for the word reins. And there's a literal. The literal is, this word means the kidneys. It means a very important function that keeps you alive. So you own, you created my kidneys. But it also means that seed of your emotions, your heart, your thoughts. You have me, God. Have you ever talked to God and said, take full control? That's what he's talking about. And then you covered me in my mother's womb. A place of sanctity. You desired to give me birth, but you so wisely put me in the safest place in all of creation other than heaven, inside my mommy's womb. You covered me. You protected me from death. God, you're just too much. It's just too wonderful for me. And you look at this at different layers for what he's saying, and you can get books and it'll tell you all that. But the good part that comes to me was in covering him, just not the womb or the placenta and all the things physically that the mommy goes through to have us, you covered the real me. The ones that are thinking right now who you really are. I can see your faces and your bodies, but that's not the real you. He covered me. I was in there, and there became a little skeleton. And then there became some sinews and some muscles. And then there became some tendons and some arteries and the heart and then the lungs and then the veins and then the brain. And you covered me so I could live on this planet. And when you leave this body, When Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you do not die and just go off into darkness. 
First Corinthians chapter 15 says you're given a new body. You have a terrestrial body, a body made up of the elements of the earth, terrestrial, and you'll be given a celestial made up of the elements of the heavens. Out of the spaceship, you're moonies. You're hiding behind the rocks on the moon. And the American astronauts come out and they have on their spacesuits with the oxygen tank and the big helmet. Their head looks enormous and one eyeball that's totally black. And it's just reflecting the sun and the light. And they come walking out like this with those big boots on. Right? Got it? Well, that's not the astronaut. That's not Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin was a fun guy. And you look around and you say, well, that's what an earthling looks like? No, only when they're on your planet. And that's, spiritually, you have this covering you. But the devil has lied to you your whole life and hidden God's truth from you. And the minute you wake up, whoa, I am special. Yeah, nobody else may think that, but God, I know it now. And because you have made me and you love me, and you protected me, and you gave me not an animal kingdom, but something in your image and likeness that can think, and it can move, it can hug, it can cry, it can laugh, it can help, it can assist. 18-year-old boy, or uh, 22-year-old boy, both brothers, went through a horrible divorce. Hearts were broken. I'd known them their whole lives since they were born, in fact. The 22-year-old, before he got out of high school, went to drugs. Unbelievable. Not the kid you'd think would go to drugs. Ended up in an excellent, couldn't give enough praise to Honey Lake, Florida, and the work that goes on those 2,200 acres a great Christian place for people who have mental needs. Drugs are other. And uh, I surprised him. Flew out there. Showed up. Couldn't believe it was me. And I spent a few days and then made friends with the lead psychiatrist and got some free therapy and moved on. <laughs> <laughs> but was invited back to speak several times over the months. That young man accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he didn't know it, but I filmed him as he was saying goodbye to all the other patients, and he was telling them about the Lord. And I realized that's his first sermon. He has no clue. Then January of this year, his little brother, handsome as could be, physically just the girls went gaga over him, blonde hair, blue eyes, funny as could be, Smart as could be, didn't like school, he started messing with drugs. But this kid, when he was a little boy, came in my home office and he saw my acoustic guitar there. Papa, what is that? And I showed him C, D, E, F, G, F sharp minor, this is a chord, this is a chord, and did it. He picked it up and he started playing it. Came back, he's a little older now. Hey, you've got to look. Yeah, this is what John Lennon played. It's called a Rickenbacker. Look, it's six strings and plug it in. I bought him a little 10 amp and gave him my first gu- his first guitar that he first played. Then he came back as a teenager and said, now this is uh, what Paul McCartney plays. It's just called bass guitar. It's only got four strings. See that? And you do this, you do this. 
he immediately started playing it as if he had been playing it forever. Huh, this kid's gifted. Any grandkid or friend, they like music, I'm going to help them. So he comes back, and then I said, this is what George Harrison played. He's like 16, 17. This is a 12-string Rickenbacker. Now, it's hard on your fingers, but here's a Taylor acoustic. Now, play this. He started playing it like he was an old hat. This is how smart he was. A friend gave him a pill in January. He thought it was Xanax so he could chill out. But when he went to sleep, he never woke up again. Mm -mm. Toxicology report said he had enough fentanyl in that one pill to kill full grown, nine full-grown men. Our heart breaks because he is our grandson. And the 22-year-old is our grandson and lives with us. And he got COVID. I didn't want to lose him. So we prayed. And then he got the vaccinations. And he is well. And then other friends got it and started dying around me. One very close friend that many of you know was taken from hospice at his home to the hospital in the middle of the night, which is not a good sign. My heart breaks for him and his family, large family. You see, so many tens of thousands of boys and girls at Torrey Pines and all of our high schools all over the country are dying every month from fentanyl that came from China. Nobody's talking about it. But a flu bug comes from China, and everybody's upset. And churches are closing down because of it. It's just what China wanted. You're big boys and girls. It's not a religious issue. You don't want to take a shot? Don't take a shot. You want to take a shot? Take a shot. But it's your decision, not the church's decision. It has nothing to do with heaven and earth. It has to do with you and what you think your body should or shouldn't do. It's that simple. Don't fall for it. All over the country, Christians are up in arms. Don't fall for it. You're special. You're being called by God in the last and final battle to help boys and girls find Jesus. And in closing, he says to God, yes, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, while I was imperfect, you knew my substance in verse 15. My genes, my chromosome was not hid from you when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. He goes back to, we came out of the dirt. And USC in 1970, their scientists said, human bodies are made up of the very same elements as clay. You know that? But you're not taught that, are you? Because it's one big lie to keep you from eternity. This is going to be over. I couldn't tell you the number of people who have died in Fairbanks and in Rancho Santa Fe and Encinitas and all the wealthy communities, Del Mar, Solana Beach, since this building was built and a church grew into it. This doesn't go on forever. It's your choice. It's a bigger choice than to vaccinate or not vaccinate. To ask God to forgive your sins or be proud and arrogant and snub God. To recognize you're fearfully and wonderfully made and he thought you out. Jeremiah, he's a teenager, 
Jeremiah, I'm calling you, and I want you to go preach to my people. Oh, Lord God, I can't speak for you. I'm a teenager. Don't tell me you're a teenager, because before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I ordained you to be a prophet. You have a purpose. Have you fulfilled that purpose? How precious are your thoughts, verse 17, towards me, O God. How great the sum of your good thoughts are towards me, the precious thoughts. If I'm going to count them, they're more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Take a hand full of sand and stop time and count one, two, little grain, probably a lifetime in your hand, huge number. But take all the sand of the earth. Sandy and I were invited, I was invited to speak in Saudi Arabia and I was asked by some of the people there, would you like to go out in the desert? Well, I'd heard that term before as a Christian. There are a lot of people that want to take me out in the desert and leave me. I said, I'm in Saudi Arabia. How far out in the desert? Two and a half hours from the nearest life in town. Yeah. You want to show me something? Okay, let's go. So they showed me a brand new oil well being dug. And in those two and a half hours, I saw so much sand in the Saudi Arabian desert. It just I couldn't imagine how many thoughts God has for you. All day long, well, all day long, the devil is cursing you, lying about you, slandering your name, making you feel bad about yourself, horrible memories and guilt. God loves you so much. He wishes he could have spent more time with you, but it's not over yet. You can spend time with him. So he says, search me, O God, the final verses, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Are you man enough or woman enough or courageous enough to say, God, I'm giving you my heart to look at and you search me and send tests and trials to me. (laughs) Yeah. And see if there's any wickedness. I want to live for you and with you. Lord, take me by the hand like a daddy. I have six children and I miss that part, being the daddy. Holding the hands and walking with them on the beach. The little hands grabbing your pinky. We lived in Poway many, many years ago, and it was very small, and there was a big rock. And at nighttime, I'd take them all five at one time, or I'd take one at a time, or two at a time. We'd sit in that rock, and it was a prayer rock. And I taught them to pray on that huge rock. And we'd sit there, point out Orion and Pleiades and Mars and Saturn, and talk about God, how great he is, and how wonderful he is. Hmm. Shouldn't that be even an option to hear for kids in school? (laughs) You have the power. But are you using it? Because you'll be held accountable for what you've done with what he's given you. Don't ever forget that God loves you. No matter how far down you are, do not take your life into your own hands no matter how bad you've been or how you feel. Your life is precious So much so, God came down here himself 
with his only begotten son who died so you don't have to die. He took all of your record and it said in one, Psalm 139, in your book, there's a book with your name on it, all of my members are written, everything, the length of your fingers, the color of your eyes. He knows everything about you. And then David said, in all of my days were written before there were any. He knows your last hour, your last minute, your last second, your last breath. That's pretty serious. Let him take you and change you and let your family blossom and be fruitful in his love. Let him take your friendships and reestablish them with a real purpose of helping them be better friends and for us to be better friends. Take them to your work and let those blessings become fruitful, whatever you put your hand to. And always remember, it's not for you. You deserve what comes your way. But don't forget, there are others that you can help. Let God's love be so consuming that it's like standing under a liquid waterfall of love as he fills you with his Holy Spirit. And take that love and be fearless and courageous for the kingdom. And step out and walk on the water and get involved in love, not in arguing. See how far gone we are as a nation? You go to the school board and say, I don't want my kids having to hear this. Officer, arrest that man, arrest that lady. These are homeland terrorists. A mom? A dad that's a little upset in a school board meeting? You think it's going to get better? Sorry. January's going to be a bad month for us. It'll be interesting if we get a little easing through Christmas. Things are not going to get better. But you have the power because you're special and your dad is numero uno. And he will give you the heart and the words and the wisdom. Shall we stand and shall we pray? We thank you so much, Lord, for your presence, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can come close to you and you will come close to us. Thank you, Lord, for your great love that covers a multitude of sin that you have for each one of us and the people we love in our families and our friends. Lord, would your hand come upon every man and woman right now and the children in Sunday school. Would you protect all these people from the darkness, from the evil, from the plans that are already unleashed by this evil one who is full of wrath simply because he has woke up and he realizes he doesn't have much time for his first time. And he is racking the world with pain and agony. Please give wisdom to your children to not get into that battle, but rather their own battle for their soul in relationship with you and the souls of the innocent. Bless these men and women. Bless this church. 
provide everything everyone has need of, and then let them have the heart to say, search me. Reveal to me who I really am in your eyes and forgive me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.